question. That's one that you should be asking today. How are you building your life is today's title. How are you building your life? If you have your Bibles, turn back to 1 Corinthians. We are in chapter 3. A man worked for a road crew, and one day he woke up ill with a touch of laryngitis. But being a dedicated employee, he went to work anyway. The boss felt sorry for him and didn't want him to do any physical labor, although they were repairing a part of the freeway that day. He said to the worker, why don't you go down the road and tell the people to slow down going through the construction? And the worker is glad for the easy day and does as he was told. He stops the first vehicle that comes along. Sir, he whispers, his throat feeling worse. Please slow down. There's a road crew up ahead. Okay, the driver whispers back. I'll try not to wake them. And those of you that didn't laugh, you'll get it on the way home, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. We're back in 1 Corinthians, and this is where Paul preached the gospel to, to the church. Excuse me. Paul preached the gospel to the people at Corinth in the early 50s. This was during his second missionary journey. And God used Paul's ministry there to bring about the birth and establishment of this church. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 is where we're picking up. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's a lot going on in this particular passage, Lord, and and I know that I'm going to be hitting the high points. Lord, I ask that you would would let this message go the way you want it to go, that you would use me in spite of my humanness and in spite of everything. Lord, I ask that your word would change hearts today, that when we leave here, Lord, we would not be the same, but that we would be completely and utterly changed with either salvation or a new heart or fire again, that we would want to share the gospel. And we thank you for all you've done, Jesus. 
In Jesus' mighty name, the strong Son of God. And the church said, Amen. Building our life in Christ. And when we are building our life in Christ, we must be careful. Build with humility. And remember, building wrongly has consequences. Number one, we need to be careful how we build our life. You need to be careful how you build your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. This portion of Scripture is one that is read often. It's preached often, but it's often glossed over. It's one of those Scriptures that goes in one ear and out the other. Now, I'm not going to try to preach something new. There is no hidden wisdom of God like the Gnostics like to say. The wisdom is right here in the Scripture. White paper, black ink, or if you're like me, electronically. But through the power of God... Today, through His Word, my hope is that each and every one of us, each and every one of you, will catch the deepness of this passage in application to our lives. Now, I don't normally make statements like that, but today I do. That's how important I feel this Scripture is today. Paul says that we are God's fellow workers. Remember from last week that Paul is calling the Corinthian church out for following men. Remember that? Hey, don't follow men. Follow God. Men will fail you. God will not. He asked, who is Paul and who is Apollos? He says that that they are nothing but workers with God. For it is God who gives the increase. It is God who causes the growth, the change, the regeneration by the Holy Spirit. Not the men. He says that the ministers in this situation are fellow workers with God. Guess what, folks? You also today are fellow workers in sharing the gospel of Christ. If you're not doing it, then you're not working with God. Now are you? You're not relying on the power of God to change people's lives. You also today are fellow workers in sharing the gospel with others. If you're not doing it, then you're not working with God at all. You're not relying on the power of God to change people. It is our responsibility to spread this good news. If it weren't, then he'd probably just, you'd get saved and immediately go to heaven, get raptured. But that's not how God chose to do it. He doesn't do it like that. It takes each and every one of us doing the will of God and sharing the good news of salvation for salvation to take place. Scripture says we are co-laborers in Christ. Romans 10, 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We know that. Anyone who's called on the name of the Lord in here, you know that you shall be saved because you, were, you prayed that prayer. You, you asked God to change you. You asked God to regenerate you. You were one way, you met Jesus, and now you're another way. But here's the problem. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now let me just take a moment to talk about this. Everybody says to me, Pastor, I don't know how to have an opening to talk about the gospel. How do I get started? Let me give you a freebie. Ready? It said, cost you nothing. If you kind of know them, you can go up and say, hey, did you know I got beautiful feet? They're going to look at you like you lost your mind. Unless you're A.W., then they know you've lost your mind. So, <laughs> Well, yeah. And they're going to look at you and they're going to go, what? Did you know I got beautiful feet? The gospel says beautiful are the feet of him who preaches the gospel. I did that to, to a group at school, and every teacher there thought I'd lost my mind. It was fun. But it was a good, good way to bring in the gospel, wasn't it? Then they're talking about what is gospel. Do you know what the gospel is? Let me tell you. It's a good way to do it. Matthew 28, verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Did it say converts? No, it says disciples. One who follows after, not one who just identifies with. One who follows after, that's a disciple. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Paul likens the church to a field, number one, and a building, number two. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. Paul then says that he was a wise master builder. He laid that foundation. What is that foundation? It is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then he says another builds on it. And then he says to the leaders and to the laymen of the church, be careful how you build on that foundation because you can't lay a different one. Think about that. If you try to build something on the foundation of Christ, but you build the wrong building, that doesn't go with that foundation. What's going to happen? It's going to fall apart. It's going to fail. Now, I am no builder, but I know this. You don't pour a foundation of 950 square feet and then try to build a building at 1,200 square feet. It ain't going to work. It don't happen. Too many times, people get all caught up in the flesh and want to build Christianity on human wisdom and ideas. So what happens? Well, most of the time, they try to lay a new foundation on top of what has already been laid and then call it Christianity. Uh, it's not, and that's not a good idea. That's a bad idea. 
You're going to make a mess of everything if you do that. The thing will look funny and break apart if you can even start building on it. But it will be a man-made, flesh-filled deception. A man-made, flesh-filled deception. It is the warning that Paul gave to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.2. He said, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Turn away. Speaking of foundations, there was this couple, and they'd been debating the purchase of a new vehicle for some weeks. The man wanted a new truck, like any good man. I want a new truck, too. I just can't afford one, and that's okay. But he wanted a new truck. The wife, however, wanted a fast little car, sports car, so she could zip through traffic and around town and cut people off. Now, he would probably have settled on any beat-up old truck, but everything she wanted was way out of their price range. She wanted brand new. Look, she said, I want something that goes from zero to 204 seconds or less. And my birthday is coming up. You could surprise me. So to surprise her for her birthday... He bought her a brand new bathroom scale. Just so you know, his services will be at Downing Funeral Home uh, on Monday the 11th due to the condition of the body. This will be a closed casket service. Please send your donations to Think Before You Say Stupid Things to Your Wife Foundation, Mineola, Florida. I knew you'd like that one. Number two, build with humility. Build with humility. Verse 12 in our main text, 1 Corinthians 3. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Did you know that salvation is a free gift? Did you know that? Free gift. It'll cost you everything, but it's free. To you, it was paid by Jesus. But what you build on that foundation will result in rewards in heaven or the lack thereof. All of our works as Christians and leaders in the church are going to be examined. And they will be based on those works as your rewards in heaven. What kind of works? Well, first and foremost, how about sharing the good news? He said, go and make disciples. Are you doing that? How about doing what God called you to do in your local church? Well, Lord, I've only got two. 
I've only got three in Sunday school. I'm going to give up. Why would you do that? Listen, let me tell you a little secret. God called me to be a pastor. He didn't tell me how many I'd be a pastor to. He said, go and preach. So guess what? Go and preach. Go and share. Lord, I've been sharing for 25 years and nobody I've shared with has gotten saved. Well, then we need to discuss how you're sharing it, number one. And number two, maybe you're just the seed planter. Another one will water, but God will get the increase. Do what God called you to do in your life. Guess what? You will suffer loss if you cause division in the church. That's what he says. You will suffer loss. You will suffer heartache and destruction. The church is not the building either. This is a nice church, nice building. We dedicated it to God so we could come here, and we call it a church. But in reality, we, the people, are the church. It's the people. Doing, thing, doing things good results in praise and reward. Doing things wrong results in loss. Maybe not just you, but those around you it affects. And maybe loss for the kingdom. Matthew 25, 31 says this, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You know what the scripture doesn't say? It doesn't say. Uh, let me see here. It doesn't say, pastor, I was hungry and you gave me food. Pastor, I was thirsty and you gave me drink. Pastor, I was just, you know what it says? It talks about the righteous. It talks about the Christian. Some churches across America have thrown that on the pastor and said, we don't need to do it. That's the pastor's job. That's wrong. That's a lie from the devil. It's all of our jobs. A group of Christians in the local body of believers that does not do righteous acts, but only talks about that they should be doing them, is not fulfilling the call that Jesus has for them. Period. He didn't say, you brought the rich man into your congregation and got him to give money to the church. He didn't say, you helped only those who came to church on Sunday, did he? 
We give of our time, we give of our talent, we give of money, yes, and to those who need it, wanting nothing in return. That is biblical, life-giving Christianity. That is when people say, I don't know why you're doing this, but you're different. And I want what you have. Folks, there's a whole subsect out there that will tell you, you give, you get what you give. So give a lot and God will give you a lot. That's not how it works. You give to give out of a heart change from Jesus Christ expecting nothing in return. We give because we are made new. We give because we walk in love. When someone does something only to be praised by their fellow man, it was a good thing that they did, but it became tainted by sin because they got their reward. They gave, oh yeah, they gave her their time. They gave her their talent but only so they could have their ego stroked like a cat. You know, you stroke a cat and it just starts purring, doing that thing with its head, and then you forget that the thing peed all over the place and scratches your furniture. Just saying. I don't have anything against cats. There's, there's an example in, in Scripture about this, by the way, of this very same principle. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Looking back at our main text, verse 13. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say you can, you can get, get beyond this. You can go through the back door, does it? It says your works will be revealed. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved yet as through fire. Your salvation as a Christian is a given. The foundation will remain, even if the rest of the house burns up. That nice slab of concrete will still be there. Build on the foundation of Christ with the virtues of fruit of a changed life in Christ. Not out of selfishness, but out of selflessness. Remember Galatians 5.22. When your heart is changed, these things become natural to you. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Notice it's fruit, not fruits. This kind of fruit in our lives. And what does this fruit look like? Well, we know an orange is orange, right? Its color is orange. It has a thick skin. 
So when we look at this fruit of the Holy Spirit, what are its attributes? What does it look like? It looks like love. It looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Number three, if we build a life and we build wrongly, there are consequences. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. That's not a maybe. That's not a might. That's a will. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now, too often in Christianity, we look at these two verses and we apply them to ourselves individually, which is a good application, and that application can be made. However, there's something else that we've missed. In the original language, the word you and temple are in the plural form, not the singular, meaning it's talking about the church, folks. It's talking about us, the local body of believers. We corporately are the temple of God. So let's take a look at some of this again with this in mind. First of all, he says, do you not know? That's you individually and us as a group. Do you as a group not know this? You are the temple of God. Individually and corporately, the church is God's temple. The Spirit of God dwells in you, corporately and individually. The Spirit dwells amongst the church and in the individuals of the church. Remember, he said, where two or three are gathered, I am there in the midst of them. If anyone defiles the temple, both individually or a small group maybe within a church, or just a person within a church, a subsection, God will destroy him singularly, meaning it only takes one to defile the temple. And it says God will destroy him. The temple of God is holy, which temple you are, both us individually and as a church. Think about what could defile a local body of believers. What has caused splits historically in churches? <clears throat> you ready? I'm only going to hit a few. I'm only going to hit a few. <coughs> Excuse me. Like I said last week, sprinkler heads, they apparently cause splits in churches. So do carpets and air conditioners and worship styles. And personalities, as in following a man and his personality and not God. The way we do our outreaches, adultery, and lack of programming. Pastor, I can't come to your church no more. You don't have nothing for the kids. Pastor, I can't come to your church no more. Your youth group ain't big enough. Well, you leave and it's going to get smaller. 
You know what it all comes down to? You ready? All this pettiness, all this stuff comes down to one thing. Taking our eyes off of Jesus and serving those outside the church. Number one, first and foremost, the gospel message is no longer looked at. Meeting temporal needs such as hunger, thirst, etc. No longer done outside the church. You see, when a church, both leadership and laymen, take their eyes off the Great Commission and looking outwardly, they immediately start to do what? you gotta, you got to look somewhere else. They look inwardly. They look at their wants, their preferences. Those wants become a big deal to them. It becomes their mission. It becomes their idol. That's idolatry, and it's a sin. They're no longer working corporately with the members, all pulling in one direction. But now they want to stop and criticize everything that's going on and cause problems. They've become about one issue. And you know what the problem is with that one issue? 99.99% of the time, It has zero eternal value. Zero. No eternal value. That one issue consumes them. And they just seek out others that they can go take their eyes off Jesus too. Because you see, misery loves company. Pretty soon, you got chaos in the church. And this is what was happening in 1 Corinthians. To the Corinthian church. Now the works they're building, are they gold, silver, precious stone? No. Wood, hay, and straw. It'll be burned up because those works are not done in Christ. They are not precious in His sight. They have zero eternal value. So what happens to a person or even a group of people like this? What does the Scripture say? It says, God will destroy him. What does that mean? You know, from the immediate context, we don't know, do we? It just says God will destroy him. But it sure don't sound good in that immediate context, does it? I don't know about you, but I take it serious when the Bible says God's going to do something. Whatever that thing is listed in the Bible. I take that seriously. God will destroy him. I don't like those words. I don't want to be those words. Reminds me of Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God. I don't, I don't want to be punished. But sometimes people get spankings from God. We're not going there right now. It don't sound good. God will destroy him. I've seen people who have caused division in, their, in the church. I've seen people who get their eyes off of Jesus and get it on something else. And you know what usually happens? They cause a big ruckus, church splits, And then when you look at their lives 10, 15, 20 years down the road, if they have not repented, they tend to be far from God. They tend to be still looking at things other than God. They tend to drop out of church. Or if they do go to church, they go to big churches where they can blend in and don't have to do nothing. I paid my due. I went on Sunday. Now I get to go home and play with my boat. Now I get to go home and play with my motorcycle. 
play with my classic car. And we could go into more detail on that, but frankly, I'm, I'm running out of time preaching. So, y'all know God will destroy. That's all you need to know. It's good enough to know that we don't want to be the recipient of God's destruction. I don't. If you remember nothing of anything out of this message, if we're building our life in Christ, we got to be careful. We got to build in humility and always remember that if we build wrongly or out of selfishness, there's going to be consequences. I have suffered those consequences. You have suffered those consequences. Let's try not to suffer those consequences, shall we? Let's build correctly. Let's not try to lay another foundation other than what's been laid, which is Jesus Christ. As the ladies come, how about you today? Have you been trying to lay a new foundation? Has it become all about you, what you want? your preferences, your style, your carpet, your AC. AC is kind of on the mind because we had to fix one last week. Just saying. I've noticed that. Summer's getting hotter and hotter and winter's getting colder and colder. Well, we could be, but we know this, we are in the latter days. So when the latter days finally show themselves out, where do you want to be? Do you want to be Jesus come back and he goes, hey, well done, my good and faithful servant. Or do you want to be, well, you're done. And if you don't know Jesus, do you want to be one of the ones from Matthew 7, 21? Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not done many wonderful miracles in your name? Depart from me. I don't know who you are, you sinner. That's the Joe Kramer version of that scripture. You can take that home with you. But seriously, are you sure that when he comes back or you die, whichever is first, that you will wake up in heaven or wake up in perdition, wake up in hell? That's a reality. You're going to go one way or the other. You have an eternal soul. Ask yourself that question. When everything God asked you to do, are you sharing the gospel? Are you working in the church where God wants you? Your local body of believers. He puts you here in this church for a reason. Are you doing everything he's asked you to do? Well, pastor... Last time he asked me to do anything was 1976. He told me I should take up the offering. Are you doing that? Nope. Well, maybe you better do it. What do you think? Are you doing that? Yep. Then keep doing it. He didn't tell you to do anything else, did he? Let's pray together. I know this is A little bit different, but let's pray together. Lord, this is time for you to get right with Jesus. Lord, forgive us for not doing what you've called us to do. We confess our sins. We ask that you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, 
for those of us that don't know you. Let their hearts burn out, scream out Jesus so that they can come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now during this invitation, if you don't know Jesus or you just came to know Jesus, come on up front. We want to celebrate with you. If you want special prayer, you want to join the church by letter, statement, or baptism, we can do that too. Come on up front. We'll get you started as we stand and sing the invitation song.